pleasure to be back and serving here. I was here just a few days ago. I didn't go far. When last I was here, just a few days ago, I told the story of a young Muslim man who was born in the Middle East, in the Islamic Republic of Iran, into a Muslim family. And I spoke to you about how he was one proud Muslim. His mother raised him as such. He was also one proud Iranian Persian. He also went to private school, became a proud private school student. Then he went to Wall Street and became a proud Wall Street man. It didn't look good for his soul. Jesus commands us to follow him, and he says, if we do that, in Matthew 4, he says, I will make of thee fishers of men. That was the scripture for the evening. Follow me, and I will make ye fishers of men. And so the unsaved are fish. And the story I told you about that Muslim was that he was a proud, proud fish. Who would catch him? And how? That story, friends, is my story of what the Lord did to save me and how he did it through his followers. I shared with you that evening that despite my pride, God would work mightily on behalf of the humble in sharing the truth of the gospel with me. And that I would meet a fisherman whose name was Thomas, a follower of Jesus, and how he would share the gospel with me. How I, as a Muslim, would challenge Thomas and say I believed he was wrong. And how through that challenge, I ended up taking up an Old Testament promise of the tithe. And through that whole story, if you were here that evening, you remember that there was a company in New York that owed me about $4,000, $5,000, somewhere around there, in unpaid wages. And they had never paid me. And because a fisherman was following Christ... And he was praying in Jesus for me, praying in Jesus' name for me. God worked mightily, and the four or five thousand dollars was paid to me. Except that it wasn't paid in four or five thousand, it was paid in excess of eight thousand dollars. And what I had done, unbeknownst to any follower of Christ, any fisherman following Jesus, I had secretly prayed. That if God, the God of the Bible, whom this Thomas was telling me about, this Jesus, that if he would get me this money that was owed to me, I would give him half of it. And God had done that exactly. Had got me that money, but done more, hadn't he? And I was in a position where as an unbeliever, I was amazed that I was going to get a check for $8,000, and I did. And I was amazed that it didn't happen through the God that I knew, through Islam, but through this Jesus that you follow and preach. And in a rare moment, I went to this Thomas guy, and I admitted that something amazing had happened by the name of this Jesus he followed. Now, we must remember that fish don't encourage fishermen. And we talked about that on Wednesday, that It just doesn't make sense for fishermen to come from the shore and say they were cheering me today, right? Or they were unhappy to see me today, so I didn't do the work of fishing or I didn't do the work of following Jesus, that he would make me a fisher of men. 
Fish don't encourage fishermen, but because our God is amazing, sometimes even fish are amazed when they see him work mightily, when they open their eyes. And here's what happened is, in that moment, seeing that this God, through this Bible, had done a miracle, and what was unpaid to me and lost had been doubled nearly and paid to me, I went as a fish to this Thomas, this fisherman, this brother of yours, and I conceded and I told him the story. Now, we walk by faith, not by sight. Sometimes, all too often, we don't get to hear back from the fish that we're sharing the gospel with as we follow Jesus. But Thomas heard from me. I went to Thomas, and I told him the story, the funny story of how I'd gone into the closet to pray. I said, Thomas, this company in New York owes me about four or $5,000. And Thomas, I did what you Christians do. I went into the closet. That's where you go, Right? Well, I went into the closet and I prayed and then I got a phone call from the New York State Department of Labor and they collected that money. They're actually going to pay me and I got a check for $8,000. After I prayed, I would give away half. And I watched that Thomas's face, that fisherman, that follower of Jesus. I watched his face closely and he was not surprised. That crushed me. That was the first miracle I had seen in my 20-some-odd years as a Muslim. And I had excitingly told it to this fisherman, this follower of Jesus, and he was not the least bit surprised. He rejoiced, he smiled, he said nice things about it, but he was not surprised, and that crushed me. Why is he not surprised? I remember studying his face. Is he acting? How is this possible? He said, Ali... This is the God I know. Would that you would know him too. He's mighty to save, able to do miracles even. And then he said something to me. He said, Ali, what did you pray? You said you secretly prayed to my God that if he got you that money that you were owed, you would give him half of it. I said, that's right. He said, now look, you thought you might get as little as $4,000 in what you were owed. My God is a God of grace. Not only that, He answers prayer. He heard your prayer, and He doubled that 4,000 number that you thought you'd get. You have 8,000 and change, so you can give Him the half you promised and suffer no loss. Now, you, would, you might think as a Wall Street man that I had already done that math. After all, it's half and double. Well, guess what? I hadn't seen that. That's the thing about the obvious. We must explain it to fish because everything flies over the heads of fish. Even flies, don't they? Fish are underwater. They're pretty short. And I missed it. These things are spiritually discerned. I totally missed it. And he told me, you said you would give away half. God has doubled it. And my reaction was, he was right. It was a direct, definitive answer to prayer. And he asked me, he said, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep your word? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, who are you going to give that half of that money to? I said, I haven't decided yet. I'll give it to a Christian church or chair. I'll do that, but I haven't decided who or what yet. And here's what happened, friends. This fisherman Thomas was following. As the story you heard, he was witnessing. God had done a miracle. 
I had prayed in desperation for that money that I would give away half. God, in answer to prayer, had doubled it, and I, in my sinfulness, kept all of it. Oh, why does it surprise us when we find out, as fishermen, when we find out fish stink? (laughs) Right? Right? Why does that surprise us? If you're not surprised that Jesus does miracles, even today, then why are you surprised that fish stink, right? I kept all that money. And it's amazing because if you remember that evening, we had looked at Malachi. And that whole tithe that the Thomas had shared with me was the beginning of that challenge. And the Lord begins that portion of Scripture with, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, God says in Malachi. And then the tithe is given. And that was the challenge I'd been given. And so the Lord had graciously done that and I threw it robbed him. Now here's a question I have for you in your following of Jesus. When you see fish absolutely squander the answered prayer, absolutely disgustingly make a mess of it and squander it after God answers the prayer, will God continue to be after that fish? Will God continue to do miracles? In our humanity, we like to doubt, don't we? Oh, that fish has now blown it. God won't do anything at this point. But we forget that sinners and fish, no matter how bad they stink, they can't change God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes sinners. It's the other way around. In fact, remember this story? We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Jesus saw it firsthand, didn't he? He healed ten lepers as they were going on the road, and only one came back to Jesus to so much as say thank you. So as you and I follow Jesus, we're going to see what the Master saw himself, what Jesus saw. You're going to see fish that stink. And in fact, if that illustration, if that true story of the ten lepers is any hint, we're going to find that humanity is ungrateful when miracles happen, even to the tune of 90%. Where are the nine? We're not ten cleansed. And what's encouraging, however, is that that does not stop our Jesus from working. After that incident and miracle, Jesus continued just the same to serve and then to die and save men. Well, this Thomas told me about the tithe. I was amazed as a Wall Street guy that I had prayed that I would give away half of that money that was owed to me and that God had doubled it and I had received a check standing in Omaha, Nebraska, where I was at that point in time, where although I'd worked in the financial capital of the world, because of the meltdown, I'd never got a check, and now I stood in Nebraska with the biggest check I'd ever gotten. Who could do that but your God? And sometimes fish get confused, don't they? 
I thought to myself, boy, I can't believe this miracle. And I thought to myself, you know, this Jesus guy, this Thomas has been preaching to me about, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready to believe on him as a Lord. But this tithe thing, well, this is interesting. Remember what was my plan for me as a Muslim? One of, my, one of the foolish plans of fish, I wanted to be the richest, wealthiest Muslim that ever lived. And I thought about the tithe. I said, boy, this is the way that I can become rich. I know how I can do it. I'll remain a Muslim. And then what I'll do is I'll secretly take out of my paycheck and give tithes and offerings to Christian churches. And I'll become the wealthiest Muslim that ever lived through the blessing of the tithe. Therein lies the snare of what we call a prosperity gospel. A prosperity gospel that does not save, right? I said, this is how I'll do it. And I just won't tell Muslims that that's how I became rich, by giving to Christians, right? I just won't tell them that part. That was my plan for me. How the fish you witness to have foolish plans, don't they? What was my plan for me? One day I'll become a shark, right? Funny fish. Now here's the thing. God is able to work even when fish squander it, even when fish become confused, even though we preach the one true gospel, even if they get taken in by another gospel, as I did with the prosperity gospel, God is still able to work. And I want to encourage you sometimes. I want to encourage you with something. Sometimes... We look at a fish, I do this all the time, and I look at a fish in their desperate situation where they're willing to ask us to pray for something or allow us to pray for them. Sometimes we look at a fish and we say, this fish is not seeking Jesus. He or she is not seeking the truth. They're just seeking the desperate thing that's before them. Well, friends, don't be discouraged. That about sums up just about everyone who came to Jesus outside of Nicodemus and a few others, just about everyone who came to Jesus came seeking a personal miracle for their personal circumstance and desperate situation. Right? That's exactly what happened. And as you follow Christ, that was the command from the Scriptures, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, you get to see God do things that you've never seen before. These men followed Jesus, and what did they see? That was verse 19 was the command. Verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Two verses later, verse 23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. You see, that's our part in following, is we teach... The, what, what the Bible says, we preach the gospel and we see God do all kinds of miracles. I'm not Paul, you're not Peter, they've gone home to be with the Lord. But the Great Commission is now being carried on through our lips by the help of the Holy Spirit. And the same God who did miracles then is able to do them today. We don't need a handkerchief from Paul or Peter. We can just pray boldly to the throne of grace. I'm amazed what God does when I pray for sinners. When they have a moment of desperation, even when they're not seeking Jesus, 
I'm amazed what God does so that they may believe. That was the whole point of the miracles, wasn't it? That you may believe, Jesus said. Wasn't it? It was also why he spoke out loud with the Father, that we may hear that. He didn't have to speak out loud. I'm amazed what God does. We ran into a Jewish boy once, long after I was saved. And so this is more recent times. We ran into a Jewish boy, and he had a desperate situation. And he, he let us sit him down, and we talked to him about the Bible. And he said, I don't know if I can believe all this. We said, you know, this includes the Old Testament this Bible does. You're supposed to believe in this. He goes, I know I was raised in it. I just don't know if it's true. And we said, well, you can know. He said, how? We said, well, what do you have going on in your life? Well, pray. He had a lot going on. Everybody's got something going on. And he told us, he said, I've got this going on. And he gave us a list of things he needed prayer for, that he needed to see miracles. A big list. I need to see this, 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 and this. What did Thomas say? Unless I see you and put my hands on you, Jesus, I won't believe. That was Thomas's wish. This Jewish boy said, unless I see this, 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 and this. And he had these miracles he needed. First, on the top of the list, it's the only one I'll tell you about, was that he didn't like his job. He didn't like his job. Well, a lot of people don't like their job, right? Join the club, right? And he didn't like his job, and what he wanted was, was, a, was a better job. And we prayed for him at the table. We told him, we warned him, and you can warn fish, you can tell fish, you have to let God do it His way. For as the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways above our ways. And he said, okay, very well, God can do it His way, but I don't like my job. And so we prayed, and in time, in about a week, I heard that he had called my friend, it was a brother and I that had spoken to the Jewish boy, about Jesus being Lord. And we prayed for him, he called back about a week later, roughly, he told our brother in the Lord, he said, you're not going to believe what happened. I was called into a conference room the other day. Now, we had warned this Jewish boy. We said, God works in mysterious ways. His ways are not fully known to us. Not fully. For as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above our ways. And we'd warned that Jewish boy, if you don't like your job and we pray about this, you could be fired. And he said, now, wait a minute. And we said, well, what do you expect? You see, fish swim around not thinking that God lives and is able to do mighty things. And we said, well, one of the things, one of the outcomes we're warning you about is you could be fired. And he thought about that for a moment. And coming to peace with that possibility, he said, okay, I'm ready. Pray. And pray we did. A week later, we heard. They'd called him into a conference room. It was a scary situation. They told him, sit there. They invited all these supervisors in. He was the only employee. Everyone else was a manager of some type. He started to get nervous. He started to think, it's just what that Ali guy and that other guy, Justin, told me about. I'm going to get fired today. And they sat him down in that room, and they said, listen, we've called you here for a meeting because we've decided... We don't want you to do this job anymore at this company. And his heart sank. And then they told him, you know, we've been thinking about you. You work pretty hard. Here's a job description, that a job we're putting together. Can you read that? He read it. They said, would you be interested in doing this job for our company? He looked at that job description. 
It was his dream job. He said, I sure would. And then he called back. A rare moment of a fish encouraging a fisherman, the unbelieving Jew called us and told us. And of course, we rejoiced and we told him the truth. Our brother, I'm sure, gave him the gospel. These things are done that you may believe. Never doubt that Jesus is able to do these things, that they may believe, even if they're not after salvation. For how many came to Jesus? For a healing, right? Then his fame went throughout all Syria. The next verse, they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics. He healed them. When you follow Jesus... When you leave the fishnets, whatever you're caught up in, as they did, and you follow Jesus, you not only will preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom, you will have a chance to petition to heaven and see God do miracles in answered prayer that they may believe. And people and fish may come for selfish reasons. That's okay. All the people who came to Jesus, not all of them, but the vast majority came for some selfish reason. And yet how many of them got far more than they bargained for. They had an appointment to meet the King of glory. We follow Jesus. We pray. We minister. We serve the unservable. We love the unlovable. And I, as I shared, as another brother has said before, through these things we earn the right to offend them with the gospel. And sometimes get fish get caught up in other messages. This fish that I was as a Muslim, I got caught up in a prosperity gospel. Said, I'm not ready for Jesus, but this tithe thing is a good idea. So I would go to this Thomas fish and fisherman and I would give him money. And I'd say, put this in the money bag at your church. I would do this, do this, right? And Thomas would say, Ali, I understand you're after the Old Testament law and the promise of the tithe. But I think God just did that to show you he's the living God. There's more to be had than financial blessing here for you, Ali. You're leaving the true treasures, salvation, the cleansing of your soul by the blood of Christ, the true treasure, immeasurable and priceless. I continued with the tithe. I started to buy treasures, as fish often do. I started to put away and store away treasures here on earth where all things are going to be burned up one day. And what happened is, well, what does a single bachelor buy, a single young man? I was buying PlayStations and TVs and laptops and computers. I would build this computer with my own hands and ordering these nice parts. And I was buying all these things and putting them away in my apartment as I continued to tithe and be blessed. Now, God did these things, did these things that I may believe, but I squandered it. I wasted it on, on earthly wealth without believing on Christ. But God would continue to work. The Lord, if you follow Jesus, you, your part is to follow him. Remember, we went over this. Your part is to watch after these two words. Follow me. Am I following Jesus? That's your part and mine. Study the man of Jesus. Study the man of Paul. Paul also said, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me, as I also am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. Study Jesus, study Paul, follow them. The entire rest is in God's hands. He says, and I will make of you fishers of men. Even when it seems the fish is confused. I put up treasures in my apartment, here's how God would work. 
eventually had all these things stored in that apartment in Nebraska, and then a fire came. Isn't that illustrative of eternity? All things will be burned up one day, except the saved, right? And so here's what happens, is I was in my apartment, and it was very late, and I heard fire, fire. Somebody was banging on the doors very loud, fire, fire, and running down the hallway, knocking on the next apartment. I opened the door. I looked down the hallway. It was a policeman. I said, I don't think this is a prank. And so I said, I got to get some clothes on, and I grabbed my keys, wallet. I smelled. I have a pretty good sense of smell. I said, I don't smell a fire or anything burning. And so I put the keys and wallet, and I put my coat on, and I went outside of that apartment, and I stood next to the policeman. I said, sir, where's the fire? And I looked, and I said, oh, there's the fire. I lived on the first floor. The third floor was on fire. That's why I couldn't smell it. It was so on fire that flames were billowing 20, 30 feet into the air. The unsaved, the fish in your life, are living in burning buildings, sinking ships, and they don't even know it. They can't smell it. It's our part to preach fire, fire, and to pray for the Holy Spirit that was given us fire on the day of Pentecost to convict their souls of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I looked at that fire and I said, oh, and instantly, my heart went to what? My treasures on earth. I was thinking, I need to get things out of this apartment. I've only got so much time before that fire on the third floor works its way down. I need to get things out of this apartment. And I thought, I can't ask this policeman to carry out my big screen TV. Well, that would be silly. So I said, I better get to work on my own. And so I said, I got some things I got to grab, Mr. Policeman. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. And like a foolish fish, I went swimming into the burning building. I went for that building, and he said, stop. I said, yeah. And he said, what is it you want to get? After all, he's running into a burning building. He said, what is it you want to get? And I thought, I can't tell him I'm going in there for my PlayStation. <laughs> and so I thought, and I said, my hamster. It was a half-truth, a full lie. I had a hamster, but I just told you where my heart was, was with my treasures, right? Now, I love animals, but a hamster was $10 to me. I could buy another one, <laughs> right? And I wasn't thinking about him. Well, here's what happened, and God has a sense of humor. There were no fishermen in sight that I know of. I don't know if that policeman was saved. I'm assuming not. I don't know. There were no fishermen I knew, no followers of Jesus that were in sight, though they were out of sight. Other people had shared the gospel with me and Thomas had. They weren't a, a present. And then the humor in evangelism, you only get to hear it when fish are caught and they speak their testimony, as I am today. Here's what happened. No fisherman in sight. That, I told that policeman, my hamster. And I thought, now he'll let me go in and get my stuff, right? And then he said, wait, you come back here. I'll get your hamster for you. <laughs> That's not what I was going for. I couldn't believe him. He was going to be a hero for a hamster, right? 
So I, what was I going to say? I went up to him. I gave him my keys. And I said, I'm in apartment such and such down there. He ran in there like a hero. He went in there. He found that little hamster cage. It was a small, tiny little hamster cage with a tiny, tiny little hamster. He ran out of there. He brought that cage and he handed it to me. And I took it from him and I said, thank you. And I stood there alongside him with a little hamster cage under my arm. And we together watched the building burn and burn as my mind and heart burned for the treasures that were in it. It was the mercy of God, though, wasn't it? Here's what happened. I kept yelling to that policeman, Sir, where are the fire trucks? He'd say, I keep radioing. I don't know. Finally, he told me, he said, Listen, because it took a long time. I mean, 20, 30 minutes later, still no fire trucks. And here's what he said. He said, Listen, I found out what's going on. There's three other fires in Omaha tonight. It was either two others or three total. I don't remember. So it was either three other fires or three total with two others. I don't remember which, but he said there's two other fires at least in Omaha tonight, and they're caught up with those fires tonight. Now, uh, you're not from Omaha. I'll just tell you we're not always burning out there. It's not the case. That was just the providence of God that he had allowed that to happen, that my stuff would burn. And no one was killed. And that's how you know the Lord was at work. No one was killed, especially in the fire I was in. 79 people would be displaced, but not a soul hurt. Not a soul hurt. Eventually, here's what would happen. Is the fire trucks, when they finally came, they sprayed water. You think fish like water, not on their electronics. They sprayed all kinds of water and my PlayStation, my big screen TV, all that stuff, all those treasures I cared about were soaked. First, they were in the fire and covered with soot and smoke. And then when the fire truck sprayed all that water, all of it got soaked. When the firemen took us into the building later, and the third, build floor, the third floor was gone, just gone, vaporized, up in smoke. The second floor was crispy. And the first floor, they said, if you live there, we'll take you through, try to grab clothing and just some things because you can't live in this building anymore. It's condemned, condemned, right? If you don't know the Lord Jesus, I pray you come to faith in him today so that you would not be condemned to eternal fire. Here's what happened is he said, we're going to take you into that first floor. Just take a few things out of there. And of course, what did I go for? My treasures. The firemen were in there with me, and it just looked like a total mess. You could, if I wasn't told that was my apartment, I don't think I would have recognized it at first. And then I realized, oh, yeah, this is my apartment. Where's that laptop? Oh, and I came, I found the laptop, and I picked it up, and I tilted it over. And out of that little vent fan on the side where the little fans are in the laptop, a cute little waterfall came out. That's not good. I put that down. I went to my TV, my big screen TV, and I lifted up the, the corner of it. And out of the other side came an even bigger waterfall of water from inside the TV. These things were soaked. In fact, the PlayStation was soaked. The laptop was soaked. The TV was soaked. None of these things would ever work. And the computer I had built with my own hands was sitting on the ground where we were waiting through water in this apartment. So the computer tower was on the ground, soaked. 
my stuff would be condemned. None of it would work. And though I had some knowledge of electronics as a fish, I would try to fix these things. They wouldn't work. And I had given my PlayStation to a neighbor who was an electronics expert. He couldn't fix it. And I had tried to fix the laptop. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't get any of these things to so much as turn on. Now, the Christians that preached the gospel, what's God going to do in this situation? My heart was aching for my stuff. Most of the people who came to Jesus were sick or demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics. I didn't have any of these problems. Ah, my problem was with my stuff now. Would God fix stuff for a fish? I have a better question. What did God not do for people to believe? What did Jesus turn down doing for people to believe? In fact, the Lord Heavenly Father gave His only begotten Son that we would be saved. What more can He do? And what would He not do? Here's what happened. Though none of my stuff worked, God would use this circumstance to work and do more miracles so that I would be turned to the name of Jesus. Here's what happened. I had a friend from the East Coast. The best, thing I can, the best way to describe him is that he's a conspiracy theorist. He's always talking about one of two subjects, usually. JFK assassination and UFOs. Okay? He called me. He said, I'm coming to visit you. I said, don't come. I said, the apartment got condemned. I moved into another apartment now, and, and my stuff doesn't work. I don't have any furniture. I've only got some electronics. All the furniture was soaked, and I think it would be moldy, so I left it. I only have some electronics, and they smell like a fire, and they're waterlogged. None of the, my stuff works. I don't even have a place for you to sit. He said, well, I'm already in town. I need a place to stay. I said, okay, I'm sorry. You can come, but I'm sorry. You're going to be sleeping on the floor. I don't even have a place for you to sit. And so he came over, and he was sleeping on the floor in my apartment. I got up to go to work. I said, I got a long shift. I'm a stockbroker. I got a 13-hour shift today, and so I'll be back later. All right? Make yourself at home, you know, as best you can. I hardly have anything. And so here's what happened. I went to work, and the Lord got to work. By the time I came home from work, my laptop was working. I couldn't believe it. When I walked into the apartment, I saw my laptop was on a table and it was on. I could not believe it. When I came near and realized it's the same laptop, I looked at this friend of mine. His name's Al. I said, Al, I tried everything to get this laptop to work. How is this working? He looked at me, and I already warned you, he's a conspiracy theorist. His response was, ESP. I said, what's ESP? He said, extrasensory perception. I said, I don't understand. Now, he was shocked that it was working too. He goes, oh, Ali, it's some strange ESP. And I said, how is it working? I don't understand. Did you sit there with your mind and think my laptop into working again? He goes, no. You left for work and something woke me up. And it was clear what I had to do. It was like this extrasensory perception. I knew what I had to do. I was told, and it was clear, I had to take your laptop and cook it. Cook, cook the laptop? What? I turned the laptop over, and sure enough, there's some burn marks underneath. 
I said, how do you cook a laptop? And what's the recipe for that, right? He said, well, I didn't know. I went to the kitchen. I, I, you didn't have much left because of your fire. You had a frying pan, a ceramic bowl, and you had the new stove there. And so I turned on the stove. I put the frying pan there. I put the ceramic bowl in the frying pan. And I put the laptop on the ceramic bowl, on the frying pan, on the stove. And you, were, you said you'd be gone 13 hours, so I cooked it on low. This is a true story, friends. This is a true story. For as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. And I said, what happened after that? He goes, it works. I said, have you tried that before? He didn't seem to say he had tried that before. And so here's what happened is the laptop worked. I couldn't believe it. I got so excited and I realized this is the most important part, right? It's all that you may believe. I knew in that moment there was a witness in that moment, some witness of God, that I knew this was the God of the Bible, miraculously healing my stuff, fixing my stuff. I said, it's not ESP, I told this guy. I said, this is the Lord. I was a Muslim, but your Jesus, when he works, is in unmistakable. And he said, no, I think it's ESP. I said, no, I think it's the Lord using you. And I got excited. I'd given my PlayStation to a neighbor. So as a fish, I said, I'll be right back. I swam out of the apartment. I went to the next apartment. I went up a flight of stairs, and I knocked on the door where my neighbor, who was an electronics expert, was from the African nation of Burkina Faso. He answered the door, and he, I love his accent. He said, hello, Ali. I said, hi, Eve. I said, don't tell me. Before he could speak, I said, don't tell me, Eve. Don't tell me. My PlayStation's working. And he looked at me. He goes, how did you know? I said, tell me what you did. And he said, well, we, it was the weirdest thing. We were bored. We went to my friend's house. We were bored. And so we went to his father's home, into his shed, pulled out a leaf blower. Then we came, we took your PlayStation, we put it on the ground, and we put the leaf blower on the ground, and we plugged it in, and we blew air on the PlayStation for four or five hours, and it worked. This is the guy who had tried his normal electronics methods and given up. He tried to give the PlayStation back to me. I said, you keep it. I'm never going to be able to fix it. And now it was working. Eve is not saved. He won't talk to me anymore. I offended him with the gospel sometime afterward, not by trying to. I want to say something very clear. We don't try to bear an offense. In all things, we try to bear no offense, but the gospel itself we preach will be an offense, a stumbling block to Jews and Gentiles alike. That's an offense we are allowed. Paul said, if I had preached circumcision to you, you wouldn't have been offended, right? That offense is allowed. Eve got to see a miracle of God himself. And so that PlayStation worked. I went back down and I saw Al. Al said, listen, I wanted to show you something else, the TV. I said, yeah, I noticed you brought the TV inside. I kept it outside, outside of the house because it stinks. And it, you don't have to put this white sheet over it. You know, it's covered in soot and smoke. I pulled the white sheet off. He had cleaned the TV off, meticulously cleaning it while I was gone. I said, you don't have to do that. It doesn't work. I looked at him and he goes, Try it. I said, you got to be kidding me. 
this doesn't work. And we went back and forth. I said, this does not work. I've tried. He said, it works. Try it. I said, fine. I plugged it in, turned it on. It turned right on. I looked at him and I, fa- I said, what did you do with this? And I was thinking, you can't cook a big flat screen TV. <laughs> he said, ESP, ESP, <laughs> told me, told me, put your finger on the power button and hold it there for, for two minutes, and it turned on, right? And what is this ESP thing? Well, years later, while witnessing to Al, he would confess to me that when he was my age, he had believed on Christ as Lord. In fact, he said, I still believe. He said, but I'm not following. I've gone into the world looking for things that cannot fill. He said, I wanted this and I wanted this and I didn't follow Jesus. So when, he, when I was at work and Al was doing these things, who was leading him? The Lord. The Lord was. How, how gracious for God to use him when he wasn't even trying to be following. Have faith. If God will use him, how much more you who are followers. So here's what happened. All these things were fixed, healed. I don't know what you call electronics that are miraculously restored. Healed, fixed, what do we call that, right? All these things worked. And, and if you're suspicious, then, you know, I don't know, Ali, if that's a miracle because the laptop was cooked, the PlayStation was leaf blown, and the TV was, you know, finger held, whatever you want to say, I would ask you a question. Do you have a broken laptop? Do you call the electronics store and do they ask you, have you cooked it yet? Have you leaf blown your PlayStation yet? Have you put your finger on the power button of the TV by faith yet? These aren't the methods of man. They're of God. All these things and more that fish may believe in Jesus. That Jesus would make of us fishers of men. And if you still have doubts about these things, first of all, I could put you in contact with these people. Eve won't talk to me, but he might talk to you. Al witnessed these things, and if you still have doubts, there was this computer tower. Remember that? I built it with my own hands. That was on the ground. When the fire happened, water had come in, and the apartment was partially submerged. That computer tower had been underground. It was so dirty and filled with char and wood and soot and all this garbage from the fire that I hadn't even pulled it out of anything. In other words, I hadn't pulled it and tried to put it into the new apartment. I'd put it back in its original box when I took it from the fire, and I put it into storage, and I never pulled it back out. When these miracles happened, I thought, what about that computer tower? I went back into storage, and I pulled out that computer that had been submerged, and I brought it, and I put it on the concrete stoop just outside of my apartment. It was so disgustingly dirty, I didn't want to bring it in the apartment. I put it on the concrete stoop, and I plugged it in. I put a monitor there, a keyboard, and I plugged it all into the wall there outside on that concrete stoop. And I remember thinking to myself, no one's going to touch this. No ESP, no leaf blower, nothing. And I hit the power button. Boop. Turns on. Windows log on screen. Enter your password. That computer would go on to work for years. And nobody had touched it. Fixed, healed, whatever you want to call it. 
by the power of Jesus. Why? That one fish might believe. I stand here today, and this is part of my story of how Jesus saved me. And I have to wonder how much of it would have ever happened if people were not following Jesus. Preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom and praying in Jesus to do all kinds of miracles and even healings that many would believe. Eventually, I became jealous of your God. You would think at this point, this Muslim boy is about to be saved. And in fact, I went and told Thomas about these miracles. He rejoiced, he smiled. Again, not surprised. And I became jealous as a Muslim watching this fisherman, this follower of Jesus. I became jealous as a fish. I thought, why is it that I've scarcely, hardly never seen miracles except now? By the name of Jesus. I became jealous of this Christian and other Christians as I was introduced to Thomas's friends, and they also weren't surprised, rejoiced, but they said, Our God does miracles. You better believe it. You better believe on Him. I became jealous, and so what did I do? I was a proud Muslim, Persian, Iranian, New York Wall Street guy. Last thing I wanted to do was to admit to them that I was jealous of them. That something about their view of God was superior because of Jesus. And so, I did what fish so often do that we hate. I turned and I quietly swam away to avoid them. I'm sure it's never happened to you. Oh, does it ever happen to us? You know, nine lepers walked away from Jesus. But it didn't stop him from doing the will of the Father. And he calls us to be his followers. Go ye into all nations, right? Making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And we have the example of Paul and Peter. And Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. But of all these men, people sometimes walked away, swam away quietly. It didn't stop them, though. It didn't stop Jesus. And it shouldn't stop any true followers. You can have moments of discouragement, but go back in your quiet times to the master fisherman, for he is mighty to save. Even when you don't see that fish, I would avoid Thomas. He would be discouraged. One moment, I was talking with him. God was doing miracles. I was even telling him about some of it. And in the next moment, I would avoid him and I wouldn't even return his phone calls and texts. Can you imagine how haunting that may have been? Maybe Thomas examined himself. What did I do wrong? Is there something I said that offended him? Why won't he call, my, call me anymore? This is so frustrating. God was doing miracles. He, this Muslim kid was so close to believing. I mean, it was almost like this fish is almost caught. Get that net. Get that net. This fish is almost caught. And then somehow, I don't know how, he slipped from our hands. He went back into the water and he swum downstream, down shore. And we don't even know where he is and he won't call us back. Now, I'd met Thomas at work. To make matters worse, he would eventually be called to another career. He would leave the company, and I would think, good, 
I don't have to see him and admit to him as God is superior. And so he wouldn't hear from me for the longest time. And that was discouraging. When fish swim away, friends, have faith. Have faith enough to smile and pray. For God has many fishermen down shore. What would happen is I would get promoted at work. They would put me on another stock brokerage team. They would say, Ali, we're forming an all-star stock broker team here in the company. And we want you to be a part of it. In my pride, I was thinking, of course you do. You know, in my disgusting pride, right? And so, remember, one of the first things Thomas had said to me was, I like you, Ali. And I was thinking, good, I like me too. You know, remember that? And so they said, we're going to put you on this stockbroker team. And they did. And they said, we want to train the brokers on this team to be the best in the company. So Ali, I want you, we want you and everyone else on this all-star team to pick someone in the company to shadow and learn from. We've got a panel of teachers, several teachers, and we've got even other people in the company that are gifted. You can learn from any of these teachers. If you want to learn from someone else to shadow, tell us. We might approve it. You can shadow that person too. And so I looked and I surveyed everyone as though I was king. And I was, I was thinking, I'm going to pick someone. I'm a good judge of character. I'm a New Yorker Muslim. I know who I want to pick. And of course I didn't. So I looked around. And then uh, there were different panel teachers and, and employees, just s- simple employees in the company who had done well and were asked to come train us in their area of expertise. And this guy came and he trained us in options risk. It was his area of expertise. And I looked at him. I don't know why I was drawn to him. He wasn't dressed particularly nice. But I liked him for some reason. And I said to myself, I'm going to shadow him, this guy. And then the day came, they said, it's shadow day. We hope you've each selected who you're going to shadow. I said, I have. They said, who is it? I said, Dan Jin. They said, no, it's Dan Gin. His last name is not an alcoholic beverage. It's Dan Gin. (laughs) They said, he sits in this part of the company. If you head that way and you ask for Dan Gin, they'll tell you where his cubicle is. It was a huge company. Could have picked anybody, just about. Especially on, on the panel. They wanted you to pick on the panel, but they would let you. Pick someone. And so here's what happened. I went around, I said, Dan Ginn? Dan Ginn, they said, he sits over here. And I said, oh, this is his desk. I said, I don't see him. They said, sit down, he'll be here. I sat down, I waited. I looked at his name tag, it said, options risk specialist, something like that. You know what his name tag should have said? Follower of Jesus. It should have said, attending the local assembly. It should have said, youth pastor, just something he did in his part-time with kids. It should have said all these things. What's your title in your following? The unseen title that you have on your desk where you follow Jesus. And so he came to his desk And he picked up right where Thomas left off. The great majesty in it is that they had never met. They didn't even know of each other. Is our God provident? And do we see that in the scriptures? That when a fish swims away, there are other fishermen down shore 
That's precisely what happens in Matthew 4. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. It's the first mention of follow in the New Testament. And that is what we shared initially, and that's kind of like my Thomas, the first there. Going on from there, the next verse says, Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The very pattern of God's word in chronology is that Jesus walks down shore and calls other followers, other fishermen to follow him. In John, he says, follow me from now on, you'll be catching men. So when fish swim away from you as an individual, that's okay. You and I together don't know 1% of God's followers and fishermen, but he knows them all. This following command, friends, is of utter importance. It's going to be repeated. We've seen it twice in Matthew 4. It comes again twice in Matthew 8. One of them is, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. What are you following today? Is it the living Jesus or is it something that will be burned up? Matthew 9, Matthew himself had an opportunity that is very similar to the opportunity we have in the American dream. We have this country, one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest in the world, with tremendous possibilities right here at your doorstep. Matthew had a license to print money, tax collecting. He would have been hated by his Jewish brethren, and he would have had opportunity to tax them and make money. Jesus would say to him just two words, not even a promise, just follow me. So he arose and followed him is the immediate following words. Matthew 9, 9 that is. We said Matthew 4, Matthew 8, Matthew 9, Matthew 16 following friends, will cost you. It cost Thomas something to follow Jesus. It cost Dan something to follow Jesus. It will cost you. Look at what it cost a man in Matthew 16. If anyone desires to come after me, if en Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Matthew 19. If you wish to be perfect, go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, 
and you shall have treasure in paradise. And come, follow me. Matthew 4, 8, 9, 16, 19. This is just the gospel of Matthew. Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 8, Mark 10, Luke 5, Luke 9, Luke 18. Follow me. All of these chapters, Jesus says, follow me. It's important. It's not your salvation. It's your sanctification. Your salvation didn't cost you anything. It cost the Father, His Son. But you're following. You're being a disciple. A follower of Jesus could cost you everything. I want to close with this. That Dan, that Dan whom I met, I didn't know his story. He was such a follower of Jesus. He had the world before him. Smart, intelligent, not only that, also physically strong and gifted. Dan is built like an NFL player. In fact, he had a shot to go to college for college football with a possible chance of a career in the NFL. All this was unfolding before him. His family rejoiced. All his friends rejoiced. The assembly was like, man, that kid has a bright future. But he wanted to be a follower. He hoped that perhaps God would let him pursue that dream. But one day, Dan got on his knees and he prayed to Jesus, Lord, is going for a career in the NFL what you want for me? And God very clearly made him realize, no. On one hand, he had the dream some would kill for. And on the other hand, he had a command from the Lord for his circumstance to deny himself, to crucify the flesh, take up the cross, to kill his dreams, and to follow Christ. And I would go and begin to shadow him. I had no idea what I was in for and what God would do next through one lowly follower who had denied himself to follow Jesus. We'll share the rest of the story and more scriptures tonight. Lord willing. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for this great command. Lord, so simple and yet so difficult as we wrestle with the cares of this world, with the lure and deceitfulness of wealth and riches, how these things can come in, Lord, and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Lord, we pray that your word would no longer be choked, your spirit no longer grieved, but that you would have your way with us. Help us, Lord, to see that it is worth following. Encourage us again by your word and by your mighty deeds. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.